Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Peach State Pandemonium, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network, where we take you down memory lane for a look at professional wrestling the way it used to be, with conversations from those who paved the way. And now, the GWH Radio Network presents Peach State Pandemonium. Who is that masked man doing that, that introduction? That voice sounds familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to Peach State Pandemonium for Thursday, November 1st, 2018. This is Michael Norris along with Bobby Simmons. Uh, our co-host, Jerry Oates, is unable to join us this evening. He had uh, some things going on, so he's uh, he's uh, not with us. And I myself have not feeling the, the greatest, but uh, so we're probably going to do a fairly abbreviated show, but I, we did want to do something since we had to miss last month, so... Uh, uh, how you doing this evening, Bobby? I'm doing good. Doing good. No no complaints. Been a very, very laid back week for me, which I don't get very often and I've enjoyed it this week, so good. Good. Yeah, do you have any trick or treaters? No, I had none. Had none. We we first moved in down here, we had a lot of kids. I've been here for, for almost nineteen years and I think all my trick or treaters have are grown now. And uh uh just very little activity here in the neighborhood. Yeah, they do something at the uh, at the uh, center down at the at the center of the apartment complex for the kids here. So I guess that keeps keeps them from going door to door. They do an activity down here. So well, know, in the three years I've been here, I've never did seen somebody knock on my door. What's that? What'd you say, Bobby? I said we. I said a lot of the churches uh, did things last night too. I read somewhere. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Somebody I know said their church had over three hundred people at their little trunk wow. or treat thing last night. I don't know if they still do. They used to. Uh, when, when malls were a thriving concern, they used to do stuff like that in malls. But they, I guess, malls are pretty much going by the wayside oh. nowadays. Yeah. It's uh, Amazon now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's pretty much what I do because because I'm unable to get out, but pretty much as I'd like to. But it's it's, it's Amazon has been a blessing to me. Yeah, but anyway, what so, I wanted to. Yeah, I was just say it's so convenient, man. It's hard not to do it. Yeah, especially if you are part of their prime where you get free shipping and it's two, right. free two day service and it brings it right to your door. So. Right, but uh, anyway, uh, what I wanted us to talk about while we're on tonight is uh, back in the territorial days. I know a lot of uh, territories ran either on a fairly regular basis or as as spot shows, or you know, uh, three four times a year they would run these odd venues. Like here in Georgia, they uh, ran a handful of shows at the Atlanta State Penitentiary. And uh, and also at the uh, the uh, state hospital in uh, Milledgeville. Now I know this was probably before your time. You may have gotten into the tail end of when they were doing it, but 
what was the, the deal with the penitentiary? Was that a something they did to raise money? Well, it was all for the, the prisoners. So no, they didn't it, actually, draw it actually wasn't the outside, state penitentiary. It was the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary. Federal Penitentiary, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the place where uh, where uh, Capone was there for a while. I mean, we're talking the big house. Uh, yeah. No, it was a benefit thing. Uh, they ran it once a year, and uh, they would have three, four, five matches, I guess, or maybe maybe a couple singles and a tag or something. I Charlie Smith refereed it several times. I, I never got to go. Uh, they stopped it uh, before uh, I came to work over there. I mean, I don't know who exactly stopped it, but yeah, it was. Uh, they would go out there, and uh, the, generally it was on a Sunday because the guy we didn't work on Sundays, or they didn't back then, and. Uh, it would be on a Sunday afternoon, and they would feed them lunch, and uh, they would give them a little certificate that they were an honorary uh, uh, inmate at the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary, and uh, you know they would uh, they would treat them very nicely. But uh, I know I remember hearing the story when Tom Ernesto went out there; they took him in a room, uh, you know, by himself, made him take his mask off, uh, and then when he got ready to leave, they took him back in that room, made him take the mask off to show that he was you know, the same guy was leaving. Uh, so it was very, very tight security. Uh, the baby faces were always the heels because the bad, they would cheer the bad guys. Uh, it was always, uh, uh, it was always a, uh, uh, you know, somebody was going to pull somebody's pants down and expose yeah, their rear end. Say Sputnik, Sputnik told that story. That was always something he did. Yeah. So he, he said that would get know, a pop from the from the convict. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and you know there there was there was some bad dudes in that place, man. And uh, but it was uh, uh, you know the guys. I think the guys all enjoyed doing it, going out there and doing something for uh, you know, and and you know a lot of guys in our business, uh, you know, were incarcerated for different things over the years, you know. And I'm not saying that in a funny or a bad way. It's just still you know, things happen. And I felt like it was their way of giving back, and they enjoyed going out and uh, and donating a little bit of their time. And uh, uh, I, you know, I'm really sad I never got to do it. I would like to have done it one time, just to just to uh, you know. I, I mean, it, it's easy to sit here and say I'd like to do it, but I know it's got to be a scary thing uh, to, to to go in there and realize where you are, and and uh, you know, you're not going anywhere until uh, they let you out, and you're outnumbered many times to one. Uh, uh, I sang with a little gospel group for about eight years, and we sang at, uh, uh, we were we were asked to come to the Coweta County uh, Jail and sing at their chapel service on a Sunday morning. And uh, I've been very blessed in my life to never be locked up for anything, and uh, that was the first time I'd ever been inside a jail. I mean, I had been to visit people that, you know, as a minister to talk to people, but it's the first time I'd ever actually been inside. And uh, I was I was I was okay with it until I heard the door close behind me. Yeah. And when it did, I turned around and I looked back at it, and I and the guard kind of laughed at me because he knowed what I was thinking, because I realized when that door closed, I wasn't going anywhere until they said I could go. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it was now, very strange. Shows, but yeah, that was a, they did the it once a year. The guards, or were they oh, were they open to the public? What is that now? The matches? No, 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 yeah, no, no. They, no. The, they were strictly for the guards in the prison. It was strictly, strictly for the inmates, the guards. 
Now in Milledgeville, they had they were open to the public, right? For yeah, people uh, in and around Milledgeville. Milledgeville, for those that don't know, was the state mental hospital, and uh, they had a contract. The state had a contract with Mister Ward uh, that he would do. Uh, I don't know if it was. I, we, I don't remember going there every month, but maybe every other month we would go on a on a. I can't even remember what night we did it on. Uh, I want to I say it was a Wednesday night, but I can't. that may be wrong. It may have run opposite Columbus. I don't remember. But we would go, and the, the state mental hospital was set up like a, uh, it was sort of like a college campus. You had a main building, and then each, you know, and, and of course, I, I'm assuming they had doctor's offices there or whatever, but then they had a bunch of, of, of dormitories, different buildings. And uh, each each building housed uh, a group of people that had a specific mental uh, illness. Um, you know, so you had different houses. Also on the grounds of this this uh, um, facility was the the state women's prison. And uh, so when we would go down to work, they had a gymnasium on the on the grounds. And it was like any high school gym you'd ever been in. When you went, when you dressing rooms were under the bleachers. Uh, they had a basketball court, bleachers on either side. They had uh, uh, a stage at one end, and then back on the end where the front door was, they had a balcony. Uh, not a large balcony, but a, you know, was upstairs. And what they would do is, is each each dormitory would have a section in the bleachers, and. The women's prisoners, or the women's prisoners from the state prison, they'd bring them in and put them on the stage, and they would have a guard at each end with a shotgun of the stage. And then up at the balcony on our end, or back on the end of the front door, they had the, uh, those are the people that were, uh, I'm not trying to be funny, it was, those are the people where the lights were on but nobody was home. Um uh, I mean, they were really, they were really out of it. Um, the the floor area, the ringside seats, the people from the city of Milledgeville could come out, or the surrounding town, they come out. If they bought a ticket, that's where they sit. So, the the had a contest each month, whichever dormitory made the best sign, uh, they got an extra dessert or something, but. They would have signs in the bleachers, and it was it was it was a strange, strange uh, vibe when you got there. And, uh, and you know, everybody. I mean, it was. I went several times. Uh, we had one jump in the ring. We had a, a, a patient jump in the ring with us one time, and we had one fall out of the balcony, and, and uh, they they unfortunately died. They hit the ground and. And the fall killed them, and it was, you know, we had some different things happen down there. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was a very strange, strange thing to, to be part of that. I can imagine. Well, how was the response? I mean, were they, with especially with a lot of them, you know, or part of them being under, you know, under armed guard, were they allowed to, you know, Jump up and holler and all that, that yeah, type stuff. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, they, they pretty subdued. They would get with it, and then you know you had you had some of the heels would aggravate them, and 
and and some didn't. Some would just ignore them. But some of the heels would. I think the biggest response I ever I ever saw was Bearcat Wright. He was managing Buddy Colt, and they were leaving the ring, heading toward the dressing room, and 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 uh, Bearcat stopped in front of the stage, and he's looking at him. He goes, "Hey, girls, what kind of bird can't fly? A jailbird." And son, there was some of them, you know, say, hey, if you come up here, we'll show you who can't fly. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sure some of them probably had knives and everything else. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, <laughs> there was, I'm sure there was some pretty bad women up there. But, yeah. the, the now that was also where the, uh, somebody would always bring a, a desserts for you guys, right? Well, yeah, the babyface dressing room, we would get there. They, it looked like a Sunday dinner at a church. I mean, there would be. <laughs> cakes and pies and and they were made by the inmates and brought to us now we never ate any of it we would we would chop it up with a fork or you know we'd throw some of it down the toilet or something to make it look like we had partaken of it you know trying to be nice but yeah we never ate any of that stuff i'll never forget my first visit there they would always put a trustee to guard the doors to the dressing room so nobody could go in and I'll never forget my first trip there. Jerry Briscoe told me, he said, come here, I want you to meet somebody. And he took me to the door of the dressing room, and he opened the door, and he goes, Bobby, this is the gripper. Gripper, this is Bobby, the referee. And gripper was a woman that was about maybe four foot ten, you know, 4'11", maybe. She was very husky, uh, very, as I found out, hard as a rock. But she shook her hand out to shake my hand, and I found out why they called her the gripper. <laughs> this woman had a hand like, this was Danny Hodge-like. She grabbed my hand, and I thought she's going to kill me. And, of course, I wasn't about to put her over, but, I mean, it was awful. And when we got back to the dressing room, Jerry says, no, you never have to shake hands with her again. You can speak to her now. But, yeah, the gripper was our dressing room guard. Hmm. There was a lot of strange things went on there. I can imagine. Well, what is it? What is the oddest building you were ever worked in, either refereeing or wrestling? Oh, jeez. God, I don't know if they're odd. I mean, we did so many. You know, the thing, but the thing was, we we worked everywhere. I mean, I I remember one time, the the first time I ever actually refereed. Uh, the was was we worked we run I was working for Ann and we worked Murphy North Carolina and uh, I got to the town and I seen the posters and it was it said I forget what it was Kiwanis or Optimus Club building or something at the such and such park and I stopped and asked they told me how to get there and I, I remember you you came down the driveway off of a, off of a hill. And you came down among the, the little league baseball fields or the softball fields, and there was this Quonset hut. Looked like looked like the barracks off of Gomer Pile. And I stopped and got out, and there was a guy standing at the door, and he said, yeah, this is it. This is where the matches are. And I went in there, and I looked, and it was this one huge room, and it, or the, as big as it could be with the, with the rounded, you know, it went rounded off at the top. There was one light bulb in the whole building, and it hung down from a, the socket was on an electric, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, like in the old-time houses yeah. where you, you just reached up and pulled it on with a chain. 
And that was right in the middle of the room. And I asked the guy, I said, uh, is that it? And he goes, that's it. He said, there's a light in the bathroom. And he said, that's that's it. That's all the light we have here. So I had no help. I, I mean, it was an awful night. I had no help. I put the ring up by myself. Uh, I got it up, got everything put together. And uh, normally I would take a shower and change clothes because I always did the ring announcing, you know, and I'd, I'd always try to clean up a little. Well, this particular night, there wasn't a shower in the building, so I just didn't do anything. Um, I got looking around and asked the guy, I said, where do the wrestlers dress? And he goes, well, I don't know. We wound up putting a, tying a string over in one corner of the building, and we hung a quilt over it that we found. And the guys would go behind the quilt and get dressed. Hmm. And uh, we had Happy Humphrey on the card that night. Oh, Lord. So That took two quilts, didn't it? Well, you know, everybody <laughs> had to get out, of course, where you could be back by yourself to get dressed. Uh, it was really it was really awful. I mean, it was just something, you know, you just, you know, you never imagined uh, that you'd be in a situation like this. But then the referee didn't show up. And uh, I wound up refereeing that night, and, and they didn't. Of course, I'd been around forever, but they weren't gonna. They weren't gonna smarten me up. They just said, you know, you call what you see, and they made the finishes very clear. And you know, I know enough to stay out of the way and get by. But yeah, that was. It was. It was a very, very, uh, very strange night. But that that was that's probably the oddest one I was ever in. You know, yeah, even the, even the regular buildings, some of them, you know, Carrollton. When I first started going to Carrollton, it was it was it was nothing much more than a than a, a it was a fairgrounds building, but it was uh, no emergency lighting. I mean, you'd never get away with it today. Yeah, uh, yeah. Another yeah, time was, you spent in the Mobile Territory and Quincy and uh, uh, New, New Brockton and uh, Op and Hattiesburg. Those were all livestock arenas yeah you know with, with dirt floors and, and that's all the the is of course it was much larger but the the farm center in dothan was basically all that was was a livestock arena yeah yeah uh, it kind of refashioned so but you know and and looking back going back into the 50s and 60s and and those were were very prominent around the south even for like you said the regular the regular weekly towns and uh, an, another thing, a, a lot of places I worked were either VFW halls or, or, you know, American Legion halls or, you know, National Guard armories that were, you know, not well equipped. It, it, back to what you said about uh, the building you worked in, the worst I, I worked in, and the building itself was okay. Um, we at least had a room that we could use as a dressing room, but we had no showers. It was in... Uh, Fayette, Alabama. It was a yeah. it was a, a VFW hall in in Fayette, Alabama, and and that's you know the 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 dressing room was upstairs, and uh, of course there were no lockers or anything, and no 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 benches and no chairs or nothing like that. So you just kind of had to, you know, stand over and keep your bag between your feet while you weren't in the ring. But uh, we, we took a shower out back with a garden hose. You know, yeah, oh, yeah. We didn't have a shower in that in that place, and uh, you know, people that was would... that was perfectly a normal thing. Yeah, you know, and a lot of <laughs> a lot, a lot stars, of the small man. South Georgia towns where you were in a high school gym, especially if it was a the summer, they didn't even have the water heater lit. 
You know, they weren't, yeah. school wasn't in. They weren't thinking about that stuff. You know, and you'd get there, and they may have a shower, and if you're lucky, you got a little trickle out of the shower head, and it was ice cold. But, uh, yeah, that was that was yeah. normal. And then even in a, a full-fledged nice building like uh, the Batwell Auditorium in Birmingham, that, that, that the dressing rooms in that place, that building was so old that the uh, – the Hills dressing room was upstairs, and the the shower was basically a, a a pipe coming out of the ceiling. There was no shower head or nothing like that on it, and you just you know you you took your chances with what you got there. So yeah, <laughs> well they, there there was a uh, uh, those yeah the shower thing that was always an issue. You know you uh, and then we went places where we had to rent hotel rooms for the guys to go change clothes or take a shower after the matches because we didn't have them in the buildings. Uh, and that depended on your promoter who was running the town, whether they had enough enough gumption to go get a motel room. Uh, uh, when Rocket and uh, Rocket, when Rock Hunter and Jody teamed up and started running towns together, uh, when we were working for Ann, of course, they always seen things from the guy's perspective, too. Uh, we used to run Batesburg, South Carolina. They always rented a room there. Uh, you know, where the guys could take a shower before they rode back. Um, uh, you know, and then the National Guard Armory sometimes were a luxury because at least they generally had showers and and uh, uh, they were, you know, had locker rooms or at least a big room you could get dressed in. So, Yeah. <clears throat> but they were, you know, you, you think, let's talk about Carrollton. The first building we ran in Carrollton, Hugh Butler was a promoter over there. Mr. Butler was a, was a great human being, and he 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 promoted a lot of years over there. And I'm sure the office made a lot of money over there. But we used to run that town every Saturday night. And uh, the the first building I ever went to over there, uh, the babyface dressing room was about four four foot wide, maybe maybe four and a half. And had a bench down either side of the wall, and it was probably twelve, fifteen feet deep. But you would go in there, and depending on how many people was there, you would sit on either side. You would get dressed. Your foot would be between the guy's legs across from you while you laced your boots up, and then you would pull your feet in where they could stretch out and lace theirs up. I mean, you were that close. So as soon as you got dressed, you were out of the dressing room standing out in the hall or standing outside watching the matches or whatever. The heels had a little bit nicer. Uh, it was it was, it was was bigger. Uh, it was probably a 10 by 12 room, and they had a little, more room to, a little more room to spread out. So, you know, they used to fuss at me because I would dress with the heels, and they would fuss saying I should dress with the baby faces because it looked bad or whatever. But uh, just... They had a better facility over there, so I always dressed with them. Um, as I said, you had no emergency lighting. Uh, was there one night when the power went out? That was one of the nights where that was where I learned that uh, when the power goes out, and you can't see. You get under the ring because you've got that faction that's going to throw chairs when it gets dark because they know nobody can see them throwing them. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, uh, and that was a regular town. So you know you had the yeah. you had the good and the bad. Yeah, that's what <clears throat> Dothan was. The the farm center Dothan, the, at least the Hills dressing room was was 
fairly small. It had a shower in it. It had uh, had a couple of bench, long benches in it, and uh, had lockers and everything. So that was okay. But then when you put, you know, five, six, you know, over 200-pound guys in there, it fills up quick. And in the in the dead of the summer, with no air conditioning, that building was hot. They'd roll up that big roll-up door at the at the back of the building, which was close to the, the Hills dressing room, and we as soon as you got dressed or as soon as you finished your match and got a shower and got dressed, you, you stood out there, you know, next to the bleachers to, to just to, to get fresh air or some kind of relief from the hot air and everything in there. But what was the building that had the, uh, had the plywood walls that, that Bob Armstrong knocked down? That was America running from. Okay. Yeah. America. It was a, again, a fairgrounds building. And the building, uh, the back door to the building, the building set, I don't know, well, imagine going in a church. A church usually runs long ways from the front of the church to the, to the, to the pulpit. Well, imagine, mm-hmm. the, imagine the building being turned sideways where you went in a side door and the building, the space of the building was your left and your right. That kind of was the way the building was there. You went in the back door, and on either side, once you went in the back door, on either side was two uh, probably 12 by 12 uh, plywood rooms that were built. Um, There was no top on them. The door consisted of a piece of quarter-inch plywood with a spring on it so that it would stay shut. And uh, that's... uh, uh, that's where uh, several, well, a couple things happened there. That's where you're the story you're talking about. That's where uh, Bob Armstrong and Francisco Flores were sitting in the locker room, and Flores was just as afraid of snakes as Bob was. And uh, Buddy Colt and Billy Spears ran over a snake somewhere on the way down there, and they stopped and got it. And when they walked in the back door, they took it and they just flipped it over the top of the plywood into the into that locker room, and they said when it splatted, when it hit the floor, it said it sort of sounded like a like when you drop a cantaloupe or a watermelon on the floor. <laughs> and it said that the dressing room, it said, <laughs> I wasn't there, I wish I had been. They said the walls looked like they were breathing, like in a cartoon. And when Armstrong <laughs> and, and Flores, they, they didn't go out the door, they knocked the plywood down on the back of the building, on the back of the room. And they ran out the back door, and and the back of the building was completely fenced in. It was probably uh, 8, 10, 12 acres. It was the fairgrounds, and it was fenced in with about a 7, 8-foot fence, had barbed wire on the top of it. And Flores just took off running out in the middle of that field. Grass was about knee-high out there. And uh, Armstrong got outside the building and stopped. And uh, uh, they said that somebody hollered out at Flores. I think it was Bill McMinn said, Amigo, that's where they found the snake. And they said when Flores come out of that field, he looked like he was walking on top of that grass instead of in it. <laughs> but they said he'd come on out there pretty quick. But, uh, yeah, that was, you know, guys did that kind of thing. It's wondering if somebody didn't have a heart attack. I mean, people, you do these things, you don't, you think they're going to be funny and you, you, uh, uh, you know, you put a lot of thought into it, but you don't really think about what the outcome might be. Um, somebody could have got hurt there. Um, got nothing to do with the wrestling business, but I, what we were, 
again, as I, as I said earlier, I was singing with a group, and we sang at a uh, we sang at a church up in in Tennessee, and we were on the way home to Atlanta, and we had stopped at a fireworks place and bought some. This is back when you could still buy those M80s, what like a small stick of dynamite, and we got the bright idea to to scare somebody, so we sit in the back of that the van we were riding in, and we took turns with a pocket knife scraping the gunpowder out of the out of the, the firecracker and uh, we we finally got it all out it was completely empty there was nothing but the red casing and the fuse and we stopped on the side of the interstate and we lit that fuse and threw it at a guy's feet and it scared him so bad all he could do was stand there and blow he was like <laughs> trying to blow it out like wild and, coyote <laughs> yeah, of course we we laughed. You know, we laughed. That was the funniest thing we'd ever seen. We get back on the road. We probably had gone, you know, maybe a mile down the road, and then it dawned on us. It dawned on me and the guy did it right at the same time. What would have happened if he had turned and ran, and ran out in the middle of the interstate? Hmm. You know, I mean, here we are for manslaughter because we threw a firecracker at his feet and and thought it was funny. And uh, of course, we apologize profusely. But but you know, for the for the expense of a joke, just like the the snake, we don't we don't think about those things and the stress that it puts on people. And you know, uh, I don't know. It's a wonder. And who's to say there hadn't been some incidents that we don't know about? But uh, that's been a uh, we've been very blessed over the years. I think not to have more problems and. What we've had. That's true. That is very true. Yeah, I don't. <clears throat> there, there's not any Indian reservations around Atlanta that I know, but I've I've heard guys talk about that we're working out, you know, in the Southwest, in Arizona, and places like that, going on those Indian reservations, and how hard it was to get any kind of reaction. Out of the people, I guess it was like the like the people in Japan. If you've ever seen videotape of matches in Japan, it really takes a lot to get Japanese people worked up enough to, you know, show any kind of emotion whatsoever. Yeah. And it's it's generally over over you know some sort of wrestling move as opposed to some sort of you know a heel pulling you know some sort of dirty trick right. or something. Right. Right. But uh, I well, can't remember who was telling me about working in Indian reservations. It was, uh, it might have been Les. Les was talking about it when when he was out in Arizona. That uh, he got out there and same thing when in Calgary. I think there's a reservation up there that, that Stu Hart used to run at periodically. That you just could not get any kind of of reaction out of the crowd, no matter what you did. I know. Uh, I think Bo James was telling me the same kind of story about. How hard it was to to uh, get them up, get them excited, or whatever. We we did some uh, back in the uh, uh, here again working for Ann, uh, guy that promoted West Virginia back then. I want to say it was Jan Madrid. I think that's the name. Yeah, Jan Madrid, man. Yeah. Well, we we worked evidently. He worked a deal out where. Where he wanted some talent from Ann, and uh, uh, you know he was going to use them up there and try to make them, you know, stars for himself or whatever. 
And uh, Bill McMahon, who always wanted to wrestle, uh, he uh, he convinced Tom to send him up there to wrestle. And they sent they sent a guy from here. His name was Bob Hall. This may be a guy you've never heard of. I, I, I'm sure if you look at back in Ann's some of Ann's cards or whatever, you may see the name Bob Hall. Bob was a Bob was a guard at Reedsville State Prison, which is the was the back then, and I guess still is one of the meanest, uh, toughest prisons in the state. The electric chair used to be there, and it was it's a bad place. Nobody wanted to go to Reedsville out of all the people I've known that's that's just done time. He's uh, he's the one that uh, you know. That's where you didn't want to go. But anyway, he was a guard there, and they said they went to West Virginia. And they said the first night there, they had Bob and and McMahon teamed up against two guys. And uh, he said they went in the ring, and he said he's looking around, and he said, you know, Bill said, you know, you don't know what you're getting in. It's a new town, new territory. You don't know how the people are. You don't know anything's going on or whatever. And he said Bob Hall had had a few drinks before he got in the ring, and he said he looked out at the crowd, and he uh, and he hollered at them. He said, "I want all you black lungists to know I am here." <laughs> and he said they liked to have a riot before they rang the bell. And he said when they finally got out of the ring and got back to the dressing room, said said uh, said whoever was running the town came over to him and he said, "Have you lost your mind?" And he said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "Man." These people die from black lung. He said their mamas and daddies may have died from it. He said, you don't talk about that crap. He said, this is coal miners. He said, they'll kill you. <laughs> so they, Bill told me they he, this guy had to have a police escort for the next couple of weeks, and they finally sent him back to Georgia. But, yeah, he, uh, he went up there with one remark and got them all fired up before they ever started. Hmm. Unbelievable. I mean, you know, so it's, I guess it's just we had some <clears throat> we had we had a couple of guys that uh, you know I mean there was guys that worked with us back then. And of course, they never made it. They they didn't last long. But uh, 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 there was there was some great days back then. I really I'm <laughs> I sit here and think about them. I miss those days. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It, 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 particularly back in the 50s and 60s, in, in the research that I've been doing on, on the Gold Coast Territory, they ran a lot of ballparks. And in the summertime, they would run, you know, football stadiums and ballparks and, and uh, places like that. Of course, you know, famously here in Atlanta, they ran Ponce de Leon. Um, you guys ran <clears throat> Fulton County Stadium one time. And, uh, and a, a venue that you guys ran it. What's that? Did did the stadium thing twice? Did you? Uh, before we filmed matches, yeah, I think we did it twice. First time we went, I refereed the first one. I'm not sure who did the second one. Uh, we used to, we used to work at car lots. We would sit the ring up in a mall and have one match a day at a mall, or sometimes two on Saturday or Sunday. Um, never got to wrestle any of the mall shows because. Uh, Smitty would always go do them because they never lasted over 10, 12, 15 minutes, and he'd get paid. And you know, if I if we went and did it, we I was on a salary, so I wasn't gonna make any extra money for doing it. So he would always take those where he could get paid. Uh, 
but uh, we the ballparks we wrestled at football stadiums in Columbus. We did the football stadium a couple of times. Um, the dressing room, it, the they would sit. The, the <coughs> stadium was built in a horseshoe, and uh, they would set the ring up in the middle of the horseshoe, and uh, put ringside seats around it. And but the problem was the dressing room was on the other end of the football field, beyond the end zone. So it was probably a, it was probably a, uh, I don't know, 125, 130-yard walk just to get from the from the dressing room to the ring, man. Guys be blowed up when they got there. <laughs> and and it took forever to get there because, I mean, you know, you wasn't going to run. So, uh, but, yeah, that, that the football field. We ran Golden Park in Columbus one time, which was a rather unique experience. Uh that's the that's the night where you had to you had to dress at the Heart of Columbus Motel because the the minor league team was in town. They were just having an off night, so they wouldn't let us use their locker room. So we wound up having to dress over to this hotel, and uh, that's the one I've, I've told the story where Jim Wilson went over to get dressed, and he didn't come back. He was so messed up, he forgot what he went over there for. They went to look for him, and he was sitting in a room reading a paper. So, uh, we ran a ballpark. Oh, you guys ran Lakewood. Where did you set up? Lakewood Park. We ran it. Well, we first ran it, the first few times we ran it, it was summertime, and we ran it outside at the uh, grandstand of the racetrack. They used to have a one-mile dirt track there. And, uh. They used to draw big crowds there on Sunday afternoons for, for these races, these dirt track races. and uh, But we would set the ring up in front of the grandstands there, not on the track, but they had a <laughs> they had a, a little little patio almost thing like built right in front of the grandstands. Mm-hmm. The problem was with a, with a, we used a 16-foot ring, and the patio was only about 14-foot deep. So the imagine 14 feet and then about a three or four inch or five inch step up to the next level, which was the walkway that ran in front of the grandstands. And then, of course, the seat started up and they were all concrete. So we had to get two wooden boxes built uh, to the exact height we needed them. So when we would set the ring up, the front side of the ring would be on the on the walkway, and the back side of the ring would be sitting on those wood boxes, which we never had a problem, but it always bothered me that, hey, if they do a crisscross or they start running the ropes, is this ring going to slide? Yeah. We would uh, we'd always put the front side on carpet pads and, you know, as much anti-skid as we could, but, yeah, it was... It was it was a dangerous setup, but we yeah we ran that a couple of times, and then they had an exhibition hall, uh, which those buildings are still there. It's what they they've turned into the movie studio over there. Uh, we ran uh, we ran the exhibition hall many times when we couldn't get toward a tour. That's where we would go on Tuesday nights. And it was a great Ward place. We had plenty of free parking and. The bus line ran out that way, so our fans that rode the bus yeah. to the matches could could get there. But yeah, it's a uh, that was uh, a that's what we did there. 
Did uh, Mr. Ward ever try and run either on Fort Benning or, or Warner Robins or any place like that with the military bases? We never. That you well, know in Warner Robins, we always ran at the Civic Center. And in Columbus, I, I never, uh, with Mr. Ward, I never worked anywhere but the auditorium in town there, in that in the sports arena. Um, the only military base I ever remember working on was uh, Mr. Newman in Savannah would run Fort Stewart about once a year. Uh, it was a, a long way down there because it was about 40, 50 miles below Savannah. Uh, it was a very lonely ride because when you went across, you went across the base, man, it was just dark and you had to watch out for animals and it was just a, it was a, uh, a lonely ride. But you'd get there, you'd have plenty of help. They'd have three or four soldiers there to help you set the ring up. And when the matches was over, you couldn't find nobody if you'd had a searchlight and a helicopter. <laughs> so you'd have to take it down by yourself. And it was a long walk. There was no easy way in the building. You had to tote everything out the the uh, the door to far into the building. And it was just a it was a miserable, miserable trip if you were taking the ring. Uh, but yeah, we used to do that a couple of times, but uh that was the only military base I ever remember going to. And Mobile ran uh the um Fort Whiting on Brooklyn Field, but Brooklyn was even though it was a it was a Coast Guard slash Air Force base, it was uh it was an open base. In other words, you didn't have you didn't have to pass through guard gates or anything to get on it. it, it was, there was a main right. drag that ran Ran through there, and and uh, Fort Whiting sat there, and there was there was a building, and I can't think of the name of it now. There was one in uh, when Lee was running uh, Montgomery for a while in the '60s. Um, they used a um, he used it, but they used it uh, several times. Other promoters used it. It was called um, Fort Dixie Graves. It was actually on uh, on a military base, and then. Uh, the only other one I can think of was uh, Lee ran one time on Eglin Air Force Base in Fort Walton, and that was we just did it that one time back in the uh, late fifties. Or I guess it wasn't Lee; it was Buddy Fuller that did it because it was it was in fifty eight or fifty nine that they did that. Well, you know, I think you hit the you hit the key there that it was an open base. When I first, uh, you know, my my first wife, my the mother of my children, you know, she was from Columbus. And uh, I spent a lot of time there, and and uh, Fort Benning was an open base back then. We're talking seventy, early seventies. It was an open base, and uh, when I was going to, even when I was working in uh, in in Mobile territory, I was living in Columbus. I would go across Fort Benning. I would I would cut across the base, and come out down at out what what they call Fort Mitchell down on the back side of the base there, and I would come out on Highway 165, I think it is. And and it was a two-lane road. There was no traffic, no stop signs, no traffic lights. And I could I could be in you falling like 35 minutes. Uh, it was a quick trip down there then. You know, it wasn't, wasn't hard at all. And uh, uh, But now, of course, that, that don't happen anymore. You have to have, uh, you know, you've got to go through security and uh, – you got to have a reason for going across there, and it just it wouldn't work anymore. But yeah, there was I knew all sorts of shortcuts across the army base back then, and uh, 
Uh, of course, my father-in-law, being in the army, uh, taught me a lot of that stuff. So uh, it was just a, it was very easy to to travel back and forth back there across the air. But and I think and I've I've heard I don't know I mean I you know, not being in, in active in the business anymore. Uh, I've heard it's very difficult now to even run a National Guard Army. That they're just well, I can they're imagine not, so. They're just not running them out like they used to. Um, here again, going back to Ann's days, we used to run Thomaston, Georgia, on a pretty regular basis. And there was uh, the, the two sergeants that ran that armory. Uh, we became pretty good friends and, uh, you know, acquaintances, let me put it that way. And, uh, you know, they were, uh, they had the concession stand. They were making a killing. And uh, we, uh, we ran those. Uh, we ran that armory every week, and uh, I loved it because they had the big roll-up door. I could back the truck all the way into the building, pull it off the truck, and set it up. There was no toting it. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, it was a great setup. That's uh, that building is the uh, first time I ever wrestled was in that building. Uh, somebody didn't show up, and and uh, they had uh, Larry Nichols referee, and I went out and. Worked the second match with Wayne Cowan, but that was uh, yeah. That, back then, those armies were the, we ran when we could not get the Civic Center when we were running the Civic Center in uh, in Savannah. I remember for some reason we couldn't get the Civic Center, and we ran a National Guard armory there, and that was the biggest National Guard armory I have ever seen. I mean, they had a they had a gymnasium that we ran in that would seat five thousand people. It was huge. Yeah. Fort, but I've uh, never seen another one like Fort that. Hesley Armory in uh, Tampa is that way. That's a huge building and not air conditioning, so that's that's a hot one, too. And uh, the uh, Fort Whiting's a big building. Now, I don't know how much of that was actually used, you know, for, for an arena or, or and how much of it was office space, but, but that's, a, that's a huge building at all. You think about it, though, back in, especially in, in you know, Smaller towns up, you know, that like the ones I used to work in North Alabama and and all that. Those little towns, you know, they weren't the population wasn't enough that warranted any kind of civic center or you know right. municipal auditorium of any sort. So you know, VFW Hall or National Guard Army was was you know that was used the multi-use thing for everything. Yeah, and uh, so I mean. They, a few times I worked in Boaz, Alabama. They, they, we worked there in a VFW hall, and it was basically, you know, a high school gym. It was yeah. you know, laid out like one. <clears throat> well, I just uh, – we used to – I'm trying to think. There was – we used to run what they would call uh, – uh, I guess it's very similar to your farm centers in Mobile, but – but there wasn't many of them around. But we would run. I remember there was one in Dublin, Georgia. We ran, and it was a, a, a it was nothing more than a livestock auction arena. But it was a, it was actually a, a building that was kind of round, and it had an opening where they would bring the animals in out of the stalls out back. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, of course, they set to ring up in the middle. But that was one of them deals where you stood in a horse stall out back with a water hose, and uh, <laughs> you know, take a shower. But yeah, it was. Uh, uh, I'm sure if I gave it some thought or, or could find my old books, I could name some more crazy buildings. But 
I think as far as high schools are concerned, it'd probably be the list would be far shorter of the schools we didn't run in uh, yeah, than the exactly. ones we did because we ran a lot of schools. Well, we those were a, always good because, you know, they were usually sold shows and you were paid up front or the promoter was paid up front and, you know, all the well, proceeds not, went not to with the us, school. Well, not with us here now. They were, they were, they were percentage deals where you had oh, a sponsor. Really? Yeah, yeah, we... I I remember very few sold shows, other than like a car lot or something like that. If we ran a car lot, I yeah. remember the first car lot show I was ever involved in. After we went to work, we were working with Ed. It was a Chrysler dealership out on Buford Highway, and they ran it on Saturday afternoon after we had done TV that morning. And we we took a ring out there because the ring we used at the TV station uh, belonged to belonged to uh, Georgia Championship. And the deal was they put it up in the morning, we took it down, and we stored it there at the building. And uh, so we took our ring out to this car lot on Saturday morning before TV and set it up. And uh, we did the full smear, man. We put the ring apron on it and the whole thing. It really looked, you know, it looked nice. So when we get out there that day, it's 140 degrees in the shade. Yeah. It was the hottest. I mean, I, of course, I wasn't refereeing. I just put the ring up. It was miserably hot. I can remember uh, we had a guy here named that worked as Kublai Khan. Man, he blistered his feet. He worked barefooted. He blistered mm-hmm. his feet. Yeah. And I think Bose even told me Wayne Cowan talks about that in his in his book about how hot that ring was. It was awful. Um, but yeah, we would they would do those. That was the only soul shows that I knew of. Everything else was, we generally always had a sponsor, and they would, uh, you know, they'd get a percentage of the house. It's and telling a story about Snellville High School where Charlie Charlie got fired for not having ring lights. Not having a ring light, <laughs> yeah, that was, you know. But it, I mean, I, we never had ring lights. That was, you know, there was there was no way to do it. Um not on a not on a portable basis. Um, I was trying to think where else we 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 ran we just I may have told you this I don't know we ran we used to run Douglas Georgia Freddie Miller ran it uh, the JCs were his sponsor there and it was at a at the, at the city gym and the city gym had bleachers on both sides and ringside and the JCs were a great sponsor. They really hustled, and it always drew a decent crowd. Well, when 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 Freddie left, I I booked it on on the Friday night after after Thanksgiving, and uh, we would run the Omni on Thanksgiving night, and it would always be a a good crowd, and everybody would be in a great mood, and <clears throat> then I'd kill all the guys' great mood by running Douglas, Georgia, which was about a two hundred mile trip, and uh, <laughs> but we always drew good houses there, and we were. Uh, we were there one night. We we had Abdullah there. We had a great crowd coming in, and uh, a cat across the street from the building. There was a was the main power grid for the city. The you know the big metal structure with the, all the wires coming in with the transformers and so forth. And a cat got in there, and the cat stepped on two hot leads, and that thing looked like a fireworks display, and mm. uh, uh, it, it throwed out all the lights in the city. So 
we probably had a $3,000 house, I'm guessing. I don't remember exactly, but it was close. And uh, here, here's the JC guy coming over to me, and he goes, well, I guess we'll start giving the money back. I said, well, wait a minute. I said, we mean give the money back. He says, well, we can't run. I said, oh, wait a minute. I said, there's always a way. So I asked the guy, I said, does your fire department have any portable lighting? And he goes, well, I don't know. So he calls over there. A few minutes later, here comes these four firemen walking in, and they've got these these battery-powered spotlights, but they're handheld. So I told the guys, look, here's what we'll do. So I put one guy on each, I put them up on the ring. They were actually up on the on the apron, and I got them over where they could put one, you know, they could wrap their arm around the post. And I said, you just shine the light in the ring, and I said, hold on to the post. And I said, I will make sure. I said, I'll make sure, you know, nobody nobody messes with you or anything. I said, just, you know. So I went downstairs, and I told told the guys, look, here's the deal. And I said, do not mess with these guys. I said, do not mess with them. I said, because if you make them mad or you scare one of them, I said, either all four of them is going to beat the crap out of you or they're going to get mad and leave. And I said, if they leave, we're sunk. And I said, you know, here's so just don't do it. So the first match happened to be Roger Smith and somebody, and I don't remember who he was working with, but Roger went in there and arm dragged the guy, and he he went, oh God, he turned him loose. He walked over to the corner and told the guy, he said, could you point that up a little bit? It's in my eyes, and I couldn't see. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, here we go. But that was the only time he messed with him. And maybe maybe twenty twenty five minutes into the show, the lights came back on and we were good. But yeah, it's strange things. Yeah, just think how glamorous it all was. Oh yeah, I'm so glad to be here. Can't think of nowhere else I'd rather be. <laughs> oh. uh, well, with that, I'm going to close it out because, like I said, I, I'm not feeling great. I mean, as soon as I get off here, I'm going to go. Take me a couple of <clears throat> nighttime time on the PMs and crawl in the bed. Yeah, get you get you some get you about ninety percent alcohol out of that back wheel and uh <laughs> give a little give a little toddy to the cat so the cat's knocked out and But uh, right now <clears throat> um tentatively our next show will be December sixth, which will be the first Thursday in uh in December and uh things will We'll continue to work in in our favor, and uh, hopefully Jerry will be where he can join us on that show. But I enjoyed this. I, this it, it I brings back a whole lot of memories of some of the crazy places we used to work, and <clears throat> yeah, people wouldn't believe where some some of the things we went through to be in the. Well, I give you business. I give you one more to go off with. I ran a little town working for the office. I ran a little town called Pavo, Georgia. P A V O. It's a little town. If you get the map out, look down toward Waycross, down in that southern part of Georgia, you're going to have to really look because it's nothing more than a pinhead on a map, but it's but it's P-A-V-O, Georgia. I went down there, and I set up a deal with the JCs, and the building that we ran in was at the end of the local airport, which consisted of one unlit strip and, you know, several private planes, crop duster planes, that's all it was. It was, I mean, it was, it's in the middle of nowhere. And 
I believe it was the first night. I may be wrong, but I believe it was the night after Ric Flair won the title the first time. He defended his title in Pavo, Georgia. Because I remember he made, what am I doing here? But we drew $3,000 in a little, you got to remember, ticket prices were like three fifty, two fifty, and a dollar, dollar and a half. Yeah. And we filled that stupid little building up in the middle of nowhere uh, just simply because the JC said, we want to run this little town. So you never mm. knew where it was going to happen, but... Uh, uh, back then, there was just some magic about it, and if you got the right place and the right sponsor, go good. But Pavo, Georgia, was my promotion success story. <laughs> so. Well, with that, we, we will close out. Uh, I appreciate this, Bobby, and, and uh, thank all of our listeners for for bearing with us until we can yeah. get back on the back on the air, but we will definitely be back on the uh, first week in December, hopefully. And if not, just uh, I'll keep everybody updated on our Facebook page. But anyway, this has been fun. Uh, so we will get together in about uh, four weeks, and we will run through this one more time. So good All night, right. everybody. All right, everybody have a great Thanksgiving. Good night. Thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.